Register for my free online training, The Freedom Architecture Firm. Three keys to design your perfect job, your perfect clients, and your perfect life. Registration is free, and you can watch this live streaming presentation from the comfort of your office or home. To register, go to businessofarchitecture.com forward slash freedom webinar. Business of Architecture, episode 218. Hello, Architect Nation, and welcome back to the Business of Architecture show. This is the show where you'll discover tips, strategies, and secrets for running a profitable and impactful architecture practice. If you haven't already, go get my free architecture firm profit map by going to freearchitectgift.com. On that page, you'll be able to enter in your email address, and I'll send you a special video I've prepared with the four parts that detail the four parts that you need to focus on to improve the efficiency and the success in your practice. I also want to remind you about what I talked about at the beginning of this show, which is the Freedom Webinar that's happening. So if you go to businessofarchitecture.com forward slash Freedom Webinar, you'll be able to register for that free training. Today's podcast is sponsored by AI Advantage partner BQE Software, the makers of BQE Core. BQE Core is office management software for architects. Get rid of the post-it notes and Excel spreadsheets. Get real-time insights on the profitability of your firm with a simple, beautiful, and easy-to-customize graphical dashboard. Say goodbye to undercharging or ending the year wondering where all the profit went. Core gives you the power you need to grow your firm. You can learn more and get a free trial by going to businessofarchitecture.com forward slash demo. And always big thanks to BQE for sponsoring today's episode. Today is a UK edition of the Business of Architecture. In this episode, my co-host Ryan Willard speaks with Jason Bruges, an experienced designer and the director of Jason Bruges Studio. After being educated and trained as an architect, Jason moved over into experienced design. So you may ask, what is experienced design? Basically, experienced design is the design of the environment with a special focus on the experience that a person has as they move through that environment. And this is generally done through lighting, through technology, interactive displays, and the architecture. So Jason Bruce Studio creates interactive spaces that combine architecture, art installation, and interaction design which basically means these spaces and installations respond to the people who inhabit them. I definitely recommend you go check out their work. They've got some incredible projects. You can find those at jasonbruges.com. That's Jason, J-A-S-O-N-B-R-U-G-E-S.com to see some of the really incredible work that they've been doing. So every now and then, I like to bring on a guest here on the show that has used his or her architecture degree outside of the traditional realm of architecture, because we know that very few, a small percentage comparatively of the people who go through architecture school actually end up following the traditional route of architecture. We have people that go into writing specifications, people go into construction management, people go into development, people go into graphic design, people go into, uh, you know, interactive design like Jason Bruce, who we're going to hear from today. Today's interview is an example of someone who's been able to leverage that architecture, that problem-solving degree, and take that into a whole nother route. So if you're thinking about doing something alternate, or perhaps you're already involved in an alternate field, this may serve as some inspiration to you. Uh, so without further ado, here's Ryan Willard interviewing Jason Bruges. Welcome to the Business of Architecture, the UK edition. I'm here with Jason Bruges, the uh, founder of the Jason Bruges Studio, which is an internationally renowned for producing innovative installations and interactive lighting spaces, surfaces, and really kind of merging uh, a kind of field between architecture 
art and interaction design and really considered uh, you know, a pioneer for a new generation of design studios and artists and designers, really kind of creating a new, a new genre. And welcome. It's a great privilege to be able to be chatting with you this afternoon. Okay, thank you very much. And I'd just like to start off by asking you, you know, how would you describe your practice? What is it that you do? Well, I think you described it quite eloquently there. We do sit between architecture art and, and technology or interaction design yeah and if you draw a venn diagram of three circles overlapping we we sit in the middle and but in terms of a business we sit probably between uh an, an agency a design right. agency um an art studio and uh an, an architectural practice right probably somewhere between the two in terms of how we pitch and how we sell and how we approach people um, sometimes we're commissioned directly to create artworks. Other times we're in a pitch process. Mm. So alongside other agencies, um, and other times we're sort of part of a more of a construction uh, and arte- architectural process. Right. And and how did the how did the practice emerge? So it's probably um, it's a continuation of my um, master's work at the Bartlett School of Architecture. Yeah. Investigating um, time time-based spaces, interactive spaces, uh, interactive art, um, how to explore how um, the public realm, buildings, the environment can basically interact with you, respond to you, um, tell a story, Mm. come to life. And um, it started really with a series of public art competitions where I was successful. At the time, I was um, working for a, a... a company called Imagination, who right. were design, uh, designing experiences. And um, it became very clear that I was going to have no time to do my normal job. So the studio was born creating um, architectural art installations, yeah. um, experiential installations um, all around the world. And how did you find those, those first? So the first few clients came out of competitions, uh, how, how sorry how the first kind of clients that you had came out of competition work competitions yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, councils um, and developers primarily but quite a lot of public publicly based work so um, there was one, a project in Pool Pool uh, Council um, there was a project in Havering London Borough of Havering mm. um, also um, we had an um, initial project um, that started off a collaboration with Catherine Finlay, uh, um, creating a, a space in a hotel with her. So these are the sort of projects that uh, started the studio off. Mm. And you were originally trained as an architect, that's correct? Yes. Yeah. And were you working as an architect like bef- prior to working for Imagination? I worked uh, as an architectural assistant for Foster and Partners in Hong Kong and London for right. four years on and off. Okay. Um, and again, at that point in time, realised that I wanted to explore other forms of um, spatial design. Um, yeah. So which, which, at which point I moved to Imagination to explore the sort of crossover of branding, um, uh, experience design, uh, and, but also looking at sort of how you use um, spatial installations, uh, art interventions to sort of create stories and narratives. Mm. And so who are your clients typically these days? Clients are quite wide-ranging. So we, we cross a lot of different sectors. Yeah. So we have a lot of clients that are developers. 
Right. Um, so they're trying to create something that differentiates their product in a sort of obviously a very busy marketplace in terms of um, creating something that stands out, that, that is different to the other developments taking place. So it's sort of branding, uh, marketing, creating a USP. Mm. Um, um, have clients which are um, more institutional or uh, hospitals, universities. Um, and again, it's when they're building new buildings and trying to create new things again, which differentiate differentiate them um, in terms of the universities, because obviously they're all vying for people's fees. Yeah. Um, hospitals, more about, um, I suppose, creating a experience which um, where people are going to heal quicker. So looking at sort of creating interventions that sort of distract and create a different sort of environment. Um, working on quite a lot of infrastructure projects, so airports and stations. Yeah. Again, um, there's a sort of realisation that the quality of experience and the user journey through those sorts of spaces can be improved mm. by other layers of sort of architectural interventions that aren't architecture in the conventional sense. Yeah. And so when, you, when you're uh, kind of doing these projects, what parts of the process do you control? Do you actually, you actually contract us as well? You actually build and yes. execute the final... So we work as uh, artist or designer, depending on what type of contract it is. Right. Uh, and then we're quite and are they often, are kind of architectural-based contracts that you work with? Uh, they kind of we have our own contracts, which which um, we've kind of written um, that take into account moral rights, IP, um, the structure of projects, um, how we terminate, how one would terminate a project, but run, um, but also investigate um, how they get staged because we are quite often design and build contractor right. for our projects. Yeah, not always, and um, we will take the we'll work with a client to work out what's most efficient and what makes the most sense in terms of uh, delivery of a project. Right. Okay. So there isn't so lots of the models that we see here today these are the parts of the design pro, the front end design process yeah, we, where Yeah, looking around our space here we have a, a sort of a design studio but we also have a lab uh, and workshop where we prototype. So we're testing and building one to one prototypes of a lot of our projects. And some of the small ones we might even assemble here, but generally that will get novated across to uh, a subcontractor right. or another contractor if they're working for the client. Right. Great. And and how do you how do you go about finding new new work? Is it very much? We're quite lucky. I mean, the phone does ring. Cause so it's quite a un- it's, it's so unique, kind of. Um, or or is it becoming kind of more of a there are people? Sta- there are people we. I mean, in a sort of traditional conventional art competition, we'll be up uh, against other quite fantastic artists. So, yeah. You know, we were recently pitching for a. Um, a design or an artwork to go on a crown of a building in San Francisco and we were up against um, uh, let me think uh, James Terrell right and okay. um, also Oliver Eliasson yep and um, um, Bruce Munro and who else and um, that was uh, Jim Campbell yep so really lovely list of um, amazing um, appears to be up against but that's when you get pigeonholed in a very tight kind of um, narrow um, silo of light art so right. we get that that's in that sort of condition but other scenarios where it might be a much more wider ranging sort of series of interventions we might be up against any sort of artists and even some architects that are working more artistically yeah. and in the public realm um, and um, in different yeah, different geographies a lot of those projects are in North America where they have a sort of quite strong tradition of um, having art competitions um, around built environment and they have percent for art for all projects right 
So, you know, currently we're shortlisted for quite a few projects across North America. We're building work in uh, Boston for the right. Harvard Medical Center, the new children's, the Boston New Children's Hospital there we're working on. Um, we're working on a project in Lovefield uh, Airport in Dallas. Yep. Um, so, and we're about to go live with a project in Toronto, which is an underground station we've been working on with uh, Foster and Partners. Wow. So uh, that gives you an idea of some of the sort of projects that come out of that process. Yeah. And so have you got, is this the only office? Have you got offices based we're, internationally? We're or? working out of London at the Purely moment. Purely out of London. Um, we've, had a, we've had a desk in Glasgow on and off. Um, one of the team members is based there. Um, and we have actually had people on the ground in New York before. Yeah. So I'm quite, I'm quite curious to how, how you go from, you know, the initial competitions and actually building up a practice um, with, you know, because obviously what, what kind of staff do you have here? You've got, a, a, it's not just... Um, we, have, we have sort of two sort of loose teams. One is a sort of design team and one is a production team. Mm. Um, but having said that, you know, the, it's a matrix structure. So both those functions overlap. Right. Technical people get involved with the design and brainstorming and designers look after residual design and delivery with clients and things. So there's no hard cutoff. Um, we have architects, um, 3D designers, product designers, industrial designers, design engineers, physicists, computer scientists, developers, coders, uh, visualizers. Um, so sort of quite a good mixture, photographers, jewelers, time-based artists. And how do you meet all these people? Um, well, there's quite a lot of it is through teaching, yeah, uh, networking. Um, so, I mean, I've been teaching uh, this last year at the RCA right. in in, in um, IDE, Innovation Design Engineering. Got so, it. So, um, sort of an interesting mix of people, um, and been inputting on that course, but also helping on everything from textiles, design products, um, uh, interaction design. Um, interior design, mm. architecture at the RCA, also um, advising on courses like the new MA at the Bartlett on, on interaction and performance. Yeah. Um, Central St. Martins helping on narrative design, um, but also lecturing all around the world, quite a few different universities and colleges. So um, that, that your paths cross with a lot of people mm. and, and, and people are kind of interested in yeah. what we do. So we get quite a lot of inquiries off the back of that. Um, we also visit, you know, shows to go and see, you know, people that are graduating. Uh, word of mouth is really important. Um, yeah, but it, it's quite often, it's quite hard recruiting for skills that aren't my first kind of discipline, as it were. So yeah. I'm recu- recruiting electronic engineers or um, and, or design engineers or um, sort of physicists and people like that. That that's all a bit trickier. Mm, amazing uh, and, 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 and I think the sort of common thread throughout the team is we've got a lot of people that would probably consider themselves creative technologists so they sit at that kind of juxtaposition of technology and creativity and using technology as a sort of quite a strong creative force in yeah. what we do and everyone's got a real sort of yeah obviously a very passionate team to be able to yeah. deliver these kinds of projects and what what would you say have been the sort of the biggest obstacles that you've overcome and how long how long has the practice been going for so we're, we're, we're celebrating our 15th birthday this year yeah um i think well cash is king <laughs> um cash flow um maintaining a steady pipeline of work um there probably is two is big two big obstacles um and 
going through a downturn and anticipating that. Mm. Um, we've been quite lucky. And one thing that's allowed us to mitigate the effects of that sort of thing is having a geographical spread of work. We've now worked in 22 different countries. Yeah. So that spread has meant like we were very busy in North America when there was not much happening in London, for example, right. and vice versa. We're getting now actually very busy in Europe, weirdly, after Brexit. Yeah. Um, our fees seem to be more affordable. Um, and um, other obstacles, it's not to be underestimated. We've got 25 full me- full-time members of staff currently. Mm. Um, that's probably your busiest thing is looking after them. Everything from pastoral care, um, management, um, guiding, mentoring, um, reviewing, helping, you know, and building a team where, you know, people want to come to work, they enjoy it, um, you know, motivating and retaining are all really important things. And, and any of those things start going wrong, it's a big obstacle to sort of running a kind of fluid, agile, successful mm. kind of design, art and design practice. And do you have like a kind of uh, a sort of a vision document or like a kind of set of company values that you kind of um, you, we, you cultivate? We have, we have, I've got an ongoing vision, which is sort of very much to do with exploring the idea of, or, or, of how a kind of an, an ephemeral, interactive um, living architecture can contribute to public realm, mm. well-being, improved spaces, um, but also to engage and delight people, to yeah. create sort of entertainment and put smiles on people's faces um, at the less serious end of the spectrum. Um, and um, the means of doing it have sort of pretty much stayed the same. So the sort of sectors and the type of work have remained consistent. So we're probably just expanding. We, we're, um, the type of projects and the size of projects is changing. I mean, we're probably getting bigger projects um, we're getting involved much earlier on. We're getting involved with master planning, um, looking at sort of much larger infrastructure projects. And um, and the vision, you just keep rewriting it. I mm. mean, that is the, 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 a business plan. Yes, you have a business plan, but it's evolving the whole time. Yeah. It's it's agile. It changes. I think if you write, if you, we barely have time to write it down. I mean, we have a sort of a set of documents um, and there's probably 20 iterations of them. In fact, lots and lots of different formats, but if you go and look through them all, they all kind of point in the same direction. Yeah. And how is your company structured? Is it you and a number of partners or is it... So currently I'm the founder and uh, owner of the studio and we have a technical and design director under me who um, basically help um, at both ends of the business. So um, Richard, who's our design director, helps the front end with all the design work and bringing work in and the, and the contracts around the sort of design and the sort of service side of the business. Um, and then uh, Tom is a technical director and he's very much involved with the sort of production and, mm. and, and the technical side of the business. Um, so there's the sort of us working as a trio very closely together. And then we have uh, um, a studio uh, manager. She sort of looks after basically the running of the studio, its environment and, and the sort of traffic essentially, work coming in and out, people going in and out, yeah. you know, have people got enough work, are right people doing the right things, all that sort of thing. And, um, and what does your, your role mainly consist of these days? Are you, are you um, still involved in the kind of the design of my stuff? My role or? is um, review, yeah, um, brainstorming, um, um, sort of guiding and creatively directing sort of work from quite a high level, um, looking at the strategy, um, evangelizing what we do going out there doing a lot of new business is a very big part of my role 
uh, networking, um, troubleshooting. Um, and one thing I've learned about business is um, whoever you employ to do whatever, as an owner and founder, you've got to not take your eye off the ball. So um, that's one of my big learnings, actually. It's probably so like every week I'll sit in a finance meeting. Yeah. Even though I'm the founder and creative director and, you know, it's, I have to say, I understand it and have a quite a good grip of what's going on. Mm. It's not my forte, but I make it my business to never sort of miss, miss a meeting around yep. some of the sort of drier. Um, but I uh, perhaps, perhaps um, sort of less creative bits of the business, but actually I think it all needs to be joined up mm. um, and your strategies need to run through many areas. And what kind of I like the word you used like evangelizing your your practice how does that what does that look like in terms of like courting the media and you know you have kind of marketing strategies and you've got quite a unique um, a unique brand that's um lecturing okay um, we get invited to show work in lots of different places um, we did a whole tranche of work for the Great Britain campaign mm. which is celebrating British creativity and innovation overseas we created a temporary door which hung at number 10 Downing Street so it's sort of getting things like that in place yeah. making the most of them I travelled to Shanghai and around the world off the back of that um, I uh, make sure I get to meet sort of heads of government when I'm travelling overseas um, I Every trip I go on, I'll go and visit other people that are nothing to do with the trip I'm on. To mm. sort of, so, you know, every trip you do, you make sure you go and see three other people, three new companies, three new things. There's always opportunities for new business. You yeah. know, I was on holiday and got, was chatting to someone on the beach while I was on holiday a couple of weeks ago, and that might turn into a project. Um, you know, you, you, you never know where your next bit of new business is going to come from. Yeah. So you're kind of, you've got to be reactive and agile and interested and... and uh, and uh, I suppose another huge learning from this whole process is you've got to treat the people you collaborate with, the people you work with, fairly nicely and as you want to be treated because at the end of the day, it's a small world that we, we operate in and uh, therefore we've, we've got a lot of ex-studio um, 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 staff who we collaborate with, who've, mm. c- who've commissioned us or who we're still in touch with. So it's, you know, don't burn any bridges. Yeah. And do, and do you find that you often uh, you're you're producing staff very well trained people that end up going starting up rival businesses or kind of if you're running com- a good business that's natural yeah yeah and that's one thing to get used to mm. first time it happens you're like I perhaps feel a bit funny about it yeah but then you've got to realise well actually you're 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 giving back you're setting people up good people who want to work for you will want to go and do their own thing at some point yeah probably um, not always but. Um, and uh, you should support that. And, you know, I put work their way when I don't want to, we, we, you know, it's quite right for us or we're too busy. Yeah. So you can support an inf- a kind of ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and again, there are opportunities to collaborate with all these people. So. And what, what kind of advice would you give for students of architecture? Because obviously it's quite interesting, you know, in architecture schools, you know, so lots of schools who are perhaps more on the sort of avant-garde, experimental, speculative spectrum of things. You know, students end up testing and experimenting all sorts of interesting, innovative ideas. But perhaps the link of, you know, our education doesn't necessarily... How do you know when it's going to be a good business or if someone's got a hunch on something? Um, what kind of advice would you give for... 
one bit of advice, and um, all the employers around me, including myself, will probably cringe when I say this, but it's quite good to test out ideas on the side while you're doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and, and try them out small. Because um, mm. if you don't have the funds, businesses co- cost quite a lot to set up. Yeah. Um, and you don't often get income for quite a while. So sometimes you might have to run two jobs for a year or two or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you, you've got to be quite realistic about how how long it will take to sort of break even and start earning money. Is that what that, that's kind of what you you were doing? You yeah. I mean, I, I managed to do competitions, do a little bit of work whilst I was um, at Imagination. Um, and again, amazing company. Still, still um, collaborate with them now. So yeah. again, you've got to be careful <laughs> about how you but you can also uh, build those longer you, lasting you relationships explore, exploration relationships with people yeah and what's the future for the, the jason bruce studio um well as as you touched on earlier i mean we're working in multiple places c- concurrently and probably we'll need to think about whether we need to support it out of more than one studio so there will be a time when we probably got to look at being in different places mm. um and um, we're doing work which is at a much larger scale. We're getting involved with infrastructure and master planning. Yeah. Um, and that, just by its very nature, people ask me, well, what size do you want to be? But essentially, your, your, your business, you can right size your business. So it's based on really what projects you're doing. Yeah. So um, the projects, the, the team will have to probably grow to support those sorts of projects. Um, and... Um, I'm very keen. Um, we do a lot of um, a lot of our work is what's known in research and development first in class. So we're building work uh, systems that is not that haven't been seen ever before. Right. So. Um, so like a kind of like a laboratory of ex- yeah, like just experimenting so ideas. I'd like to build. Yeah. So the research and development lab I'm, is something I'm building up slowly. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to be able to spend a lot more non-project time. Um, investigating and researching so building the ability to do that through um, both our own capital to invest in that but also um, getting grants and research to do that so that's and and, an art project sometimes are quite good ways of temporary art projects are quite good ways of doing sort of research and development or projects that you wouldn't normally take but you sort of you know you take it as a perhaps not a lost leader but something that will um, aid your research and development around something so you can and you can be quite strategic about sort of aligning several projects of a certain genre mm. that allow you to you might suddenly start working with soundscapes or you know we've been working with um uh perfumers on a couple of projects recently right um and you you suddenly realize there's a sort of thread that you might be exploring and it's quite wise to sort of explore that a little bit more yeah and has that ever happened where you've kind of you've been developing a certain kind of technology or certain set of intellectual property and then it's become like that's actually an asset in itself which we could sell to other we're on our fifth or sixth project which is utilized liquid crystal composites right okay so we've been developing our own liquid crystal composites across projects that we have in oregon um uh, San Antonio, Texas. Um, we just built a project in uh, re- near Reba in Denmark. Mm. Um, the Olympic Park, or the edge of the Olympic Park, entrance Olympic Park. We've got another project, and these are all yeah, liquid crystal projects. We've got a big project about to open in Toronto. So these are all using a certain type of sort of genre of technology we've been developing, um, and then with 
do it once we probably would have lost money on it but and 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 now we have a framework in place where we know how to develop that sort of technology amazing and then do you have other people like that's something that you could end up helping other people use that technology for other potentially we 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 do do some consulting but Mm. largely we're realizing our own projects yeah but that is a again we there are Pockets of business yet unexplored by the business, which we know are areas of growth if we want to. Yeah. Are there any other areas like that? Um, well, one we get asked about a lot is productization right. or limited editions of our work. Right. Okay. So currently we work to commission and our project is usually too large a scale um, to create multiples. Right. Um, What's the lifespan on a project typically? Um, between, well, 30 seconds if we're filming <laughs> to uh, 80 years is our longest. Right. Um, but generally we'll design to a classic building life cycle of 25 years. Yep. Um, some projects will typically will fit into a fit-out cycle of about seven. But, yeah, seven, very either small, either sort of up to d- either days <laughs> Um, or you're getting in perhaps a year at very most of some of the projects, but then you're getting into seven years, 25 years, or much longer. So, But we, we do life cycle analysis on our projects, operations, manuals, the whole works, yeah, in terms right. of analysis around how long they'll last. And the limited edition productization of, of these it's, artworks? It's, it's future, future possibilities around right. that. We've, we've, looked at, we've, we've created a couple of projects which have been... Um, duplicated for a sort of limited edition and sort of productization, but uh, it's another business, really. Yeah, amazing. And that is a wrap. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of the Business of Architecture show. Today's podcast is sponsored by AI Advantage partner BQE Software, the makers of BQE Core. BQE Core is office management software for architects. Get rid of the post-it notes and Excel spreadsheets. Get real-time insights on the profitability of your firm with a simple, beautiful, and easy-to-customize graphical dashboard. Say goodbye to undercharging or ending the year wondering where all the profit went. Core gives you the power you need to grow your firm. Learn more and get a free trial at businessofarchitecture.com forward slash demo. If you haven't already, head on over to Free Architect Gift, pick up my free four-part architecture room profit map, and... The views expressed on this show by my guests do not represent those of the host, and I make no representation, promise, guarantee, pledge, warranty, contract, bond, or commitment except to help you conquer the world. Carpe diem.